Hi everyone, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews anytime at Quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Before I get into today's show, I do want to give a couple of plugs for some guest appearances that I've done recently on other podcasts. The first one I want to plug is my appearance on the Forgotten Filmcast. That's a show that's hosted by Todd Liebenau, in which he looks at films that time forgot. And I appear on episode 103 of that. We cover the film Circle of Iron, starring David Carradine. It was originally supposed to be a vehicle for Bruce Lee. He even developed the story. And it's kind of a cult favorite of mine. I hope you'll check that out. Episode 103 of the Forgotten Film Cast. I also appeared recently on the February 22nd, I guess 23rd edition of extra film on the In Session Film Podcast. If you have followed me, you know that I was a co-host of the extra film segments of the In Session Film Podcast for over a year. I did a guest hosting stint filling in for Brennan, and JD and I cover two Alex Garland scripted films because Annihilation is coming out the weekend that I'm talking about this. 2007's Danny Boyle and Alex Garland film Sunshine, which is a really interesting movie, and we had a really interesting discussion stem from that. And also 2012's Dread, yes, the reboot of the Judge Dread property, and much better than the 90s version starring Sylvester Stallone. So I hope you'll check that out. InSessionFilm.com, and you'll find that. But on with this show, Around the World in 80s Movies. Today I'm going to finish the trilogy that we started in the last couple of episodes. Back to the Future Part 3 is today's film. Back to the Future Part 3 came out actually in 1990. So technically not a film of the 1980s, unless you consider the decade as starting with 1981, which some people do. I don't choose to see it that way. But because the trilogy really is considered as part of 80s movies, I will go ahead and finish the trilogy off here. Comedy, sci-fi. This was released about six months after Back to the Future Part 2. You know, there were a few reasons why Robert Zemeckis decided to do it this way. One is that he didn't want people to wait too long for the finish of the trilogy, Kind of the real story was that when Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis went to sit down and write a film, they ended up having too much material and they ended up splitting it off into different time periods. And it kind of made sense. Also, you know, Michael J. Fox getting into his late 20s is not going to be able to play, you know, a 17-year-old forever. So it's kind of a race against time in its own fashion to get another one out there in order to still make it plausible that he's around the same age. It's a PG-rated film. Because of language and some violence, it's actually much more toned down in terms of its language than previous efforts. And Robert Zemeckis was there responding to parents who did not like the fact that it was kind of a potty mouth first couple of films, especially the second one. Michael J. Fox returns here. Christopher Lloyd gets a much more prominent role in this film than he did in part two. Mary Steenburgen makes her debut appearance into the trilogy. Thomas F. Wilson returns as the heavy. Leah Thompson is actually in this film as well. Elizabeth Shue, James Tolkien, and some appearances if you're into 80s rock and 90s rock too, I guess. ZZ Top and Flea are in the film. Robert Zemeckis is the director. The screenplay is from Bob Gale. Now, Back to the Future Part 3 is the third. It's also the final installment of the very popular trilogy of films. This time it goes to the past, not to the future. Back to Hill Valley in the year 1885. Now, those that despise the second film for its darkness, 
generally applaud this sequel for bringing back a sense of fun again to the series. For others, it's a quaintly amusing diversion that's not really as interesting as the other two films. It does entertain, but it is a mild entertainment, at least compared to some of the more ingenious qualities of parts one and two. Now, part three was shot directly after part two wrapped, and that laid-back approach to this film was probably due to needing a change of pace from the very frenetic nature of part two. This one serves as an attempt to finally put to rest the series for fans, and it also works as a funny send-up of old Hollywood westerns, including a very generous homage to Clint Eastwood that's a hoot in itself for fans of his and also of this film series and for westerns in general. Now, the film starts with Marty in the year 1955. He ends up getting a letter from Doc from the past that Doc had accidentally been transported to the year 1885. Now, due to the archaic technology, Doc is not able to get back to his present day of 1985 or 1955 for that matter, but he's content to spend the rest of his life in the Old West as an inventive blacksmith urging Marty not to bother coming back for him. However, Marty decides not to heed Doc's advice when he discovers Doc's tombstone that lists his death as only several days after he wrote that letter. So he uses the DeLorean that Doc had secretly hidden for decades. Doc hid that there so Marty could return back to his present day of 1985, but Marty instead ends up returning back to the Old West of 1885 instead, just a few days before Doc's killing in order to try to save his life, but due to damage to the car's fuel tank that leaves it empty, there's no way to get the time machine to accelerate to the needed 88 miles an hour for a time jump back to the present day. So with Doc's death imminent, Marty has to find a way to keep themselves alive and think of a way to get the car up to speed, while Doc also finds potential true love in the arms of a local woman named Clara Clayton, played by Mary Steenburgen, whose life he also saves. So I realize that any film that deals with time travel is bound to leave people with a lot of headaches. There are a few things that occurred to me while watching part three that did kind of bother me. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who was confused by some of these things. First thing that comes to mind is that there's a solution to this film, at least to me. Uh, The DeLorean's fuel problem, you know, this is something that should be apparent to anyone who remembers that there really should be another instance of the DeLorean still in town because Doc, as we know, ended up hiding a DeLorean back in that mine shaft that he saved there so that Marty could have one in 1955. You know, so if there's a way to fix the DeLorean that is broken down that Marty takes back, surely they could get parts, they could get fuel from that car. I suppose one could make the argument that tinkering with the hidden DeLorean would mean Marty would not be able to traverse back in time in the future, but and maybe the, it's also that paradox theory that maybe they would mess with the space-time continuum in some form or fashion if they started mef- messing with two DeLoreans in the same time period, but it really would have been nice if that loophole were resolved somehow within the course of the movie. Now, more perplexing is that one of Marty's ancestors in the Old West, Marty's great-grandmother, Maggie McFly, looks exactly like his mother. Because that mother, Lorraine, married into the McFlys over 70 years later. She was not, by blood, a McFly. 
and she shares no hereditary strain with the future McFly family whatsoever until Marty and his siblings. So kind of a curious thing that an ancestor of Marty's would look like Leah Thompson. You can make the argument that maybe people in the McFly family just are naturally attracted to women who look like Leah Thompson, I guess. But seems an unbelievable coincidence to me. Another problem is that we know that Clara Clayton is the person for which Clayton's ravine is named when she falls and dies from her accident there, but we had already established that Clara also had written the words on Doc's tombstone, which would have been impossible if she had died at the time she was supposed to a few days later. You know, maybe there's an explanation there I don't know about, and one could argue that this this Clara could have fallen into the ravine at a later date. In fact, the climax of the film suggests that perhaps it was named after her for something that happens in that climax. And the history could have been preserved. But again, I think this is a confusing aspect that could have been resolved easily. And then there's the matter of how Marty just so happens to be an expert at horse riding. And not only just horse riding, but at very high speeds across very treacherous terrains. I mean, only like a real stunt horse rider could do the things that Marty does in this film. And we're supposed to believe that this kid that knows how to ride a skateboard and drive a car around somehow is also an expert horse rider because he so effortlessly does so throughout part three. So those are my nitpicks for this film, so I'm glad that you indulged me a little bit for that. But, you know, beyond that, it's still a very entertaining movie, and despite those nitpicks, I do think that Back to the Future Part 3 is still a very entertaining final chapter. I do think it's must-see viewing for anyone who has seen and enjoyed the previous entries in the series. This is a film that should never be seen without first viewing the other two films within a reasonably short period of time beforehand, because... You know, you, you want to make sure that you watch the first two films with as much attention to detail as you can for the full effect here because there's a lot of callbacks within the course of this film. There's a lot of Easter eggs, I guess, as, as they say. And so the key is you have to kind of remember a lot of those things. So definitely watch these films within a short period of time of each other. So this film, it has all of the cast chemistry you expect. There are terrific characterizations. All of this makes it seem almost effortless in its ability to charm, and it makes... Back to the Future Part 3, nearly impossible to dislike, even if it is maybe the slightest of the three films. And Now, the tank would probably be empty for the Back to the Future series, both literally and figuratively, if you watch this film. But you have to credit Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis for being able to sustain all of the energy and let us leave the saga with a smile on our faces. So, you know, what can I say? This is a really great film series from the 1980s, and certainly, who am I to say not to watch this film I definitely recommend it for those people who like films of the 1980s or just like films in general. This is a really entertaining series, and I do think that it finishes up with a very nice touch. It's really a fun film, more romantic, a little bit softer than the other films, but still, nonetheless, a supreme entertainment. Three and a half stars is what I'm giving Back to the Future Part 3. Three and a half stars out of four means that I do think that Back to the Future Part 3 is a good film. Definitely worth recommending, and definitely worth recommending this entire series. It's been one of the best of the trilogies of the 1980s. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you did, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button as I continue to journey around the world in the in the realm of 1980s cinema. Coming up next, I'm going to be going back to 1982 for a Jim Henson production called The Dark Crystal. Yes, we're going to get back into some fantasy films. That would be my very next review, so I'm giving you a little bit of time to catch up with that film before you listen to my review. I have not seen that film since 
I was 11 years old, so it's going to be kind of a nostalgic journey for me. But then again, that's really what this whole show is about, so I guess that's in keeping. If you have any requests for any 1980s films you want to see me cover, you can write to me. You can find my contact information at my website at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. And until next time, thank you, everyone, for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. Reviews.